Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Happy Monday night. Hopefully your week is off to a good start. It's Brandon Panikar hosting this week with Craig Borden from Rochester, New York. Craig, how are things going uh, stateside? Um, it's a little hot. <laughs> it feels like it's um, a million degrees here. It's just waiting to just downpour, it feels like, and it's humid. It's kind of gross. You know, it is what it is. But yep. once again, Brandon, I'm happy to be here on our wonderful creation baseball child here that we have of uh, Jaybird watching, and it's going to be fun. That's right. It continues to grow every single week. Uh, shout out to everybody who listened to last week's episode when we had the guys from Radio Scouts on. Thanks again. Uh, to the both of them for coming on, and there's others there, so I'm sure we'll we'll do that again soon. That was a good time. Yeah, that was a really good time. Yeah, We're going to have to make sure we have more beers and go- goof around with those guys. <laughs> That's true. I know they recommended at one point recording on a Friday night, and I uh, figured, hey, I'm kind of down for that. Probably have a few beers in the system, and uh, then we could really let loose. <laughs> I honestly think that they, that might be the next live show. I think that might be rather interesting. <laughs> you know what? I think a live show definitely could be in the works, especially for September, maybe when rosters expand. Or at some point, maybe when the Astros are here at the end of the month. But uh, lots and lots of good stuff uh, on the way at Jaber Washington Craig, and it is uh, it grows every single week. So I, I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who listened last week. And um, I think they had plenty of reasons to be thankful for, other than the one little tidbit of bad news that we got today right before the show. But this team has become kind of what I think you and I thought it was going to be before the season started, Brendan. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you there. You know what? They can hit, and I think they're going to be able to hit next year. Uh, I think we've said pretty much since the beginning of the year, but now it's actually come true for a change, is that this team was always going to be able to hit when Vladdy got here and Bo got here. Kevin Biggio, I'd say, probably has been a bit of a surprise because nobody really thought Kevin Biggio. I wouldn't say people didn't think they that he would be on the map, but I think he's definitely better than most expected. And you know what? There's other guys down in the system, Craig. Jordan Groshans is coming. Um, Kevin Smith has heated up the back half of the season, so I don't know, man. If this team can find some pitching, next year could be a lot of fun. And there's plenty of free agent arms, and with all the extra available money, it's like, do they just sink it all in the Garrett Cole and we have an ace to be anchoring around yeah. these young kids, or is it just hurry up and wait like we've been talking about with the Waves that are yeah i've been noticing a few key blue jays individuals kind of you know basically retweeting your tweet without giving you credit <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's some there's some people in the media that were using that i know ben knuckles from smith put they, that one out there the other day it was you basically word for word 
Yeah. <laughs> and almost everybody grouped in the same thing. I think there's maybe one or two guys that were in different waves from mine. But, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There's no way Mark Shapiro actually classified them in the waves. So my guess is Ben Nicholson-Smith saw that and kind of played around with it and made it his own a little bit. <laughs> I'm just going to give you that's right up there with your Joe Biagini, you know, pat on the back. <laughs> hey, I mean, anything. There you go. Bring some more uh, legitimacy to our show. So hopefully uh, more of that kind of stuff happens, whether it's on mine, the Jaybird Watching account, your account will uh, continue to drive our listeners here on Jaybird Watching. The ba- biggest Craig, pat on the I, back I, I got on that one was somebody basically stole my article while I was at Jay's Journal from Sports Illustrated. And I thought that was a pretty good compliment, especially after I, you know, turned him in. <laughs> <laughs> As hey, like, I published this article can... three days ago. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we wow. Will, <laughs> we will take credit for whatever we need to take credit for, even if it's not direct, indirect, whatever it is. We just need to take credit where credit is due, I think. There you go. <laughs> So, but Craig, I like how you brought up the uh, how hot it is outside because uh, Blue Jays Twitter is yet again in a state of panic, and it's pro- it's pretty heated on Blue Jays Twitter right now. We got the news today that Freddie Galvis was claimed off of waivers by the Cincinnati Reds, who are kind of hanging around a playoff race. Uh, Craig, what was your initial reaction when you saw that Freddie Galvis a was waived uh, and b that he actually got claimed? Just, I, it caught me completely by surprise. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't see this coming. I honestly kind of liked the tandem that the Tyler Montoya was running out there every day, just basically giving somebody an off, an off in the DH spot. And honestly, with the young kids, I thought that gave everybody a nice day on defense to be spelled a little bit. And he was doing solid up the middle work. He looked really good at second. He looked obviously really, really good at his normal natural position of shortstop. But this is a guy that I just can't believe – He's got a 1.6 war for the season, man. How did we not get something for him is the only gripe I have. I guess in the real reality, I, the what you get for him is the fact that we don't have to pay him the remainder of the season and the uh, at least $1 million buyout of his contract next year, I believe. But in all reality, right. the Blue Jays would have probably extended him anyways if they weren't able to get something, or even if it is financial relief in this situation, back. But that's another basically $3 million that hopefully goes into the pile to maybe do that, you know, Garrett Cole goof that I was goofing around with a few minutes ago. <laughs> hey, man, I would love to see Garrett Cole in a Blue Jay uniform. It'd be, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this offseason in terms of attacking pitching because Mark Shapiro went on the radio the other day and was saying, yeah, the money's going to be there. It is going to be there. We may, They may pretty much consider starting to uh, push some chips in. Um but yeah, they get Freddie Galvis off the books. Uh, I was surprised too, completely caught off guard. Uh, you know what, man? It kind of made me think, is Justin Smoke potentially on waivers too? Because this move, I would imagine, Craig, was due to the fact that, yeah, they weren't able to get him dealt at the trade deadline. Maybe it just, obviously it just didn't work out uh, the way the front office wanted. They maybe were asking a little too much, or they just maybe weren't even offered a player. Maybe they were offered some international bonus money or something like that, and they just didn't want to do that for Freddie Galvis. My guess is he came to the Blue Jays and said, hey, guys, I know I'm not traded. Uh, I do kind of want to play a little bit more. I'm an Iron Man. Uh, get me out there. But that kind of opens up the possibility, Craig. Freddie Galvis was moved because of Bo Bichette and how good he's been and Kevin Biggio and how good he's been at second base. Do you think Justin Smoke is potentially on waivers because Rowdy Telez is swinging a hot back down Buffalo? Hot isn't even putting it into perspective 
<laughs> how good that he's been. Um, Freaking Raul Telez is being a one-man wrecking crew for the Buffalo Bisons right now. And honestly, I think this was 40-man roster room when it really comes down to it. Now you have a little more flexibility to bring up and keep the guys around. You know, they were getting dancing on that line where some of these guys that they were going to have to just actual guys they want to hold on to exposed to waivers. Guys that might be part of the quote-unquote building blocks and whatnot. And... I'm sorry to say that Justin Smoke and Freddie Galvis are probably not even close to being in that conversation. I, at the minimum, I think Justin Smoke stays just because he's probably going to be a quick turn for next year just to have his DH or first baseman. A nice cheap buy, solid defense, and it is nice to have somebody like him as a mentor in the ball in the uh, clubhouse. But I, I, it's something about this just reaps to me that it's like, okay, we need to somehow make sure Billy McKinney, who ended up being the transaction to replace him on the 25-man roster how do we get guys that have been showing enough more chances i'm not a huge billy mckinney fan but the fact he has been showing glimpses of why he was at one time a yankees top prospect it's been like i said in windows and glimpses brendan but (laughs) that's how you got to get the guy more at bats you got to clear some room yep and billy mckinney definitely needs more at bats in the major league level there wasn't enough room for him definitely will open up some more spots for him as well do you think it was as simple as Freddie Alvis coming to the front office and saying, hey, I want some more playing time? Or I didn't get to listen to what Ross Atkins said today to explain it, but which, which side do you fall on? Because there's some Blue Jays Twitter that are thinking, well, why the heck would you do this? I mean, you didn't get anything for him, so we're upset because we didn't get anything. You could have traded them. Uh, or do you think like, the other side of Blue Jays Twitter is correct in saying that, you know what, he just really doesn't want to mentor people anymore. He's getting up there a little bit, 29 having a bit of a career year, at least in the home run department. Uh, do you think this was him coming to the front office saying, hey, I want some more playing time? I think one way or the other that Freddie Galvis has earned his spot to be playing every day this year. This guy, like I said, is a 1.6 uh, war, and that's with him being hurt for a little while, Brendan. Everybody forgets the fact that he was just on a tirade to start the season, and there's a reason he has 18 home runs and 54 RBIs. The fact is he was in fuego. <laughs> You know, so yeah, he might be at a nice, cool 267 batting average, but his offensive production has been way up. It feels like, and the fact that he plays smooth, slick or shortstop is very appealing to, I would think, any team that would be in a possible playoff hunt. And the fact that the you know NL Central is kind of in chaos with the Reds only really being seven games out, this could be a tipping point for the Reds getting somebody like Freddie Galvis that is a good contender period this is a in this is an infusion into a clubhouse and somebody like him that can help out with the young guys like Eddie Suarez and whatnot in the Reds uh, ballpark too it's a great move for the Reds and in all reality he's gonna play every day it's simple and dumbfounded as that and I think there is some merit to the fact that he might have mentioned something to the front office I don't think even when he signed the contract with the Blue Jays that he thought Boba would come on this quick I think you're completely right on that. There's actually a few people having takes on that on Twitter saying, I don't think the front office expected Boba to be what he's been so far and how much he had to push their hand. And I also don't think they were expecting Kevin Biggio to hit the ground running like he did. But that's all great stuff that had happened. I mean, Freddie Galvis was a consummate professional. He, deservedly so, gets a chance to compete to a team that's still yeah, kind of hanging around the race. The NL Central is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch, and I hope that he can make the playoffs. Uh, and you're right, he has had a really, really good year. 
18 home runs definitely will probably beat his career high of 20 home runs from just a few years ago. So I enjoyed Freddie Galvis's tenure as a Blue Jay. To kind of wrap that thing up, Craig, what was your favorite Freddie Galvis moment, if anything stands out from his brief tenure as a Blue Jay? I think my favorite moment might have finally happened off camera when Freddie Galvis actually corrected somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So, but no, in any way... Just the fact that watching him play the game and how he plays the game, Brendan, I can't think of one single moment other than maybe the walk-off that he had that really was perfect, you know, but I just can't believe what he brought to this team in a short period of time. It was very much like Curtis Granderson last year, just not as much offense with Granderson, obviously, but the fact that he was a consummate professional and he did a really, really good job the whole time he was there and I got to credit him to why some of the clubhouse movement has been as good as it has been recently. That mood, that mantra, all that stuff, a lot of that moxie, I think, came with from the way that Freddie Galvis plays the ball game. Yeah, Freddie Galvis was, I would say, as advertised when the Blue Jays signed him, and a lot of people on Blue Jays' Twitter at the time of the signing were predicting that he would become a fan favorite by the end of the season. Obviously, we didn't get to the end of the season, but with his crazy start to April, he definitely cemented himself as one of the better Blue Jays this year and somebody that people are really starting to like. So also, Jaybird Washington wish Freddie Galvis all the best. It was fun in his few months as a Toronto Blue Jay. Actually, a shout-out to uh, my buddy Justin Brakeman. He posted on his Instagram story the night before opening day that he actually helped Freddie Galvis find his condo in Toronto. So he got that neat little interaction with Freddie as well. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a surprise move. Set Twitter into a blaze for a little bit, but... Uh, Hopefully he can do some good stuff with the Cincinnati Reds. And Craig, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Kind of an unplanned topic. It just kind of popped into my head. As I was on uh, South of the Six last week, Wednesday, with our buddy Adam Corsair, and we had a lengthy discussion about Derek Fisher and what he can potentially bring to this Blue Jays team. Obviously, that trade is going to be talked about forever, and I think there's going to be some people who always kind of look at Derek Fisher and a little bit of a negative light because of the trade of Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini and Cal Stevenson. What have been your early impressions in, uh, on Derek Fisher uh, as a Toronto Blue Jay? He takes his walks. I was surprised. <laughs> and uh, from everything I've heard about Derek Fisher as a minor league baseball player, the fact that he doesn't work late in the counts was kind of glaring and obvious on why he was having struggles at the major league level to me. I don't know if something's happened. I know he's only got two walks since being brought over, but the, I just seen him take solid at bats, and it has earned him three hits out of his twenty. That's only a two, you know, barely anything. But <laughs> I'm encouraged to see more from Derek Fisher, and I think he, the pop is going to carry a bajillion times percent in the American League East. So I can see what the front management's, um, you know, intrigue with Derek Fisher is. The fact that he can just mash. There's nothing objecting to that, Brendan. The kid's got pop. But he does. He definitely does. I just hope that he's going to bat somewhere in the 260 ballpark while he's doing that. Because if we, I don't know how much this lineup can carry two Randall Grichicks. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Derek Fisher so far has kind of looked like what Randall Grichick is. Grichick may be a little bit more of a polish hitter. But I think, man, I think you can see in glimpses why the front office is so intrigued with this guy. He is a five-tool player. 
He has been a five-tool player in the minor leagues. I mean, you go back and look at 2015 and 2016 with the Houston Astros, 16 home runs, 23 stolen bases, uh, upper 60s in the RBI total, walked quite a bit, still struck out, struck out a lot, but he's a really good hitter. He has elite speed, as our friends at Radio Scouts pointed out when we had them on the show last week to discuss Derek Fisher. What has impressed you most about those five tools being pop, average, speed, defense, uh, and I'm blanking on the fifth tool that everybody raves <laughs> home about, but uh, what has stood out to you? Yeah, exactly. What has stood out to you in terms of those five tools the most with Derek Fisher? There was one at bat that I think sums it up a couple nights ago, Brendan, that he more or less did a Vladdy from this spring training. He flicked the bat at it, and it went just a million miles, but it ended up going foul, unlike Vladdy's one that hit off the freaking top of the wall of spring. <laughs> but um, just it didn't look like he even had his weight in the swing, and the fact that all his wrists carried enough pop to hit the ball to the 200 level, basically, just right of the right field wall right field pole I couldn't believe he was able to do that and from everything I heard that he I knew he had pop but I didn't think it was kind of that kind of thing and I just think that weird swing shows that he generates a lot of power from that top half and if he can get those legs involved in something man it's going to get very exciting it'll be awesome if Derek Fisher could tap into some of those tools and become something close to what this front office hopes for because they desperately need at this point an outfielder step up take a job and run with it for the next few years. So I hope Derek Fisher can turn into that guy. But that's just one piece from the trade deadline, and we're seeing some returns from some other guys, Craig. I want to turn our attention to two pitchers that we got from Marcus Stroman in that deal with the New York Mets, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods-Richardson. Yesterday for Anthony Kay, six innings, one hit, five walks, eight strikeouts, a bit of a weird outing. Yeah, and then today, uh, <laughs> yeah, very odd to walk that many guys, not give up or give up one hit, but strike out eight. Very interesting, throwing a lot of pitches. And then Simeon Woods Richardson today went five innings, one hit, one walk, and five strikeouts. Out of the two of them, what have you seen in terms of what you've watched? Stat lines, Twitter reaction, what has gotten you excited for each of these guys? Unfortunately, there's only so much video I could find on Simeon Woods Richardson. The fact that the Dedean Blue Jays are still not playing where they should be playing because of the renovations going on to the spring training complex. And there's only so many Florida State League teams that actually do have that broadcasting capability to begin with. So luckily we have one good friend in Ryan DeFrancesco that somehow managed to find all this great footage. <laughs> I don't know how he does that. <laughs> I don't know either. As I thought he was doing the same thing I was doing as far as um, you know, me trying to keep my minor league guru status, but apparently I'm just falling apart. <laughs> I, um the video I have seen on him, he's got ridiculous spin-off pitches along with having a hell of an arm for an 18-year-old kid. This is another guy after 2000 in being born after the year 2000. You know, it's like, oh, my God, we got kids this young that are centerpieces. You know, this kid is going to be something good. And I don't think everybody's really put that together yet. And I think that start today was obviously his best one in his tenure as a you know, in the Blue Jays system so far, but today was more reflective of his norms than his, you know, first outing, which was still very good, only giving out four hits. Um, but he ended up giving out three earned runs as well. <laughs> so it's like, okay. But I, he's he's a control freak. He can get the ball across the plate, and he throws the ball hard with tons of spin, Brennan. Simeon Woods Richardson's coming, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later in those waves that we were 
you know, talking about. He's definitely in wave three. And I want to see if you agree with this take because our buddy Jason Lee, who we've had on the show at least once a, once a month, we'll have to get him back on soon. But he wrapped up that tweet because that's where I got these numbers from. And he said, at first glance, the return for Strom seemed light. Now, Kay seems like a legit number four or five option in a rotation. And SWR, Simeon Woods Richardson, a potential number one or two if he develops. Now, it's way too early to say that Simeon Woods Richardson could be a number one or two, but he definitely looks like he may be able to be a front-of-the-rotation starter. Do you agree with what Jason Lee says, or do you have a little some amendments to make to that statement? I really would not be shocked if SWR runs away with a job and gets into that, you know, I'm going to say it's three spot because I'm assuming that Eric Pardino and Nate Pearson run away with the first two spots in that rotation. But the fact that you could eventually have all three of them in a rotation, that's freaking scary stuff, man. And you pair that with the offense that has clearly been trending up. This is going to get really interesting really quick, I think, for Blue Jays fans. And as far as Anthony K goes, other than the fact that he's from not too far from where I am, he grew up in Stony Brook, <laughs> New York, is his quote-unquote birthplace, which is about an hour south of here and where I went to college almost. <laughs> I think the start against Colorado today was more, more of his norm. I think six innings is a nice sweet spot for him. I don't see him running away with too many other starts where he's going to get seven. But he's going to give you a good quality start, and he's going to grind through it. And the fact that he was able to still get eight strikeouts and walk five people to that, that during that start, that's a lot of pitches just between those two stat lines, man. He was still out there grinding. Only gives up one hit. I like what you said in terms of uh, Simeon Wood Richardson's play, placement because that just got me excited. That kind of made me perk up a little bit. Number three, imagine him behind a Nate Pearson at the top of rotation or an Eric Pardino. And then you got other guys down there in addition to Woods Richardson that are pitching really well. Alec Manoa, I still don't think he's given up a run yet in his appearances with the Vancouver Canadians. He's looked really good. And Adam Klaffenstein has continued to look really good down in the minors, also with the Vancouver Canadians. So I think what we're trying to say, Craig, is the pitching on this team is coming, and it looks really bright, doesn't it? Yes, very, very bright. And as far as what you said about the uh, the Vancouver Canadians, they're a freaking steamroller right now, man. <laughs> I can't believe that their record is 20-35 and because it doesn't seem to make sense to me. <laughs> their team is just loaded right now with pitching depth, and they've been losing a lot of little one and two running in games, and it's definitely Alec Manoa has not given up a run yet, and he's only allowed two hits in his six innings. They've got him on a really short leash at the moment, but Alan Klonstein has been terrific is the nice way of saying it. <laughs> Downright ridiculous is the better way of saying it. It's 46 innings, Brendan, a 2.72 ERA. That's 10 games he started, and he's only allowed 14 earned runs. Pretty damn Crazy. impressive. Pretty oh, damn impressive indeed. 19 walks it's, and 41 strikeouts, too. So there's an obscene ratio there. <laughs> there you go. He is most definitely a control freak. Uh, yeah, the young pitchers are coming, but kind of shifting focus back to some guys who may be on the verge of getting up here. Anthony Kay is not on the 40-man roster at this point, so that may hold him back from getting a call-up once rosters expanded. But do you think they may make room, and do you think we see Anthony Kay in September once the Bison season is over, assuming they don't make the playoffs, which I hope they do because they're in second place right now. But uh, do you think we see Anthony Kay up when rosters expand in September? 
Other than the fact that, like you just said, the Buffalo Bisons are currently on the outside looking in, but they have a good chance. It's not over yet. We still got the rest of this month for Bisons baseball, and they've been playing really well. So hopefully, with the fact that Rowdy Telez and everybody have been anchoring a pretty solid offense, and the fact that Santiago Espinal is yet to catch fire, but I think it's coming. He's been hitting the ball pretty hard since his call up to the uh, Buffalo Bisons. There's a lot going on really well, really good for the Buffalo Bisons, and don't forget and don't sleep on the fact that Dalton Pompey re recently rejoined that team, too. So, Correct. Some very Correct. good things going on. Hopefully they can uh, continue their ascension up the standings. I think last I checked, they were five games back of first place Scranton Wilkesbury, so the New York Yankees uh, AAA team. Which is uh, shocking. At this point. I can't believe right they have left in the cupboard. <laughs> it's it's, it's the fact that say, they have Fisher more or less hanging around. <laughs> never seems to be able to get away from Scranton, but uh, they are currently yeah, one game above 500 and five games behind the Wilkesbury Yankee Rail Riders, basically. I don't know what they the can. I don't know what the wild card chase is like in the off the top of my head. <laughs> I was okay. kind of looking at that. There's seven games back technically in the okay. wild card. They're closer to the division. The problem is the Charlotte Knights are slightly ridiculous, and so are the Durham Bulls. Yeah, I I think it's the division or bust for the Buffalo Bisons. But you know what? They're really putting together some good momentum for next season, and that's kind of like the state of the Toronto Blue Jays at this point. We've touched on some guys down in the minor who are making their way up, putting themselves on the map. Now I kind of want to shift focus back to the big league team because we're constantly seeing guys shifted up and down between Buffalo, the injured list, so on and so forth. And because we haven't got to see Ken Giles over the last little while because of his continuing arm bombs, we've seen guys like Eric Law close out games and look pretty decent in there. We've seen Yancy Diaz up in the major leagues for a very brief cup of coffee. But when you look at the state of the bullpen, Craig, right now, you got in there, you got behind Giles, you got Tim Mazur, San Gavilio, Derek Law, uh, Justin Schaefer, Wilmer Font, Buddy Boshears, Zach Godley, and Neil Ramirez, Ramirez as the opener today. Out of all those names, who has put themselves on the map the most for you, where you can basically say, yeah, this guy's got a bullpen job locked up for 2020, assuming he doesn't uh, implode? Um, in all reality, I've liked, other than the fact that I apparently didn't know if I was pronouncing his name wrong or Buck Martinez, because we know how well that goes. Uh, Buddy Poshears <laughs> um, has been, I like what I've seen from him, and I think I, I did, I'm intrigued to see more at this point with Boshears. Um I'm surprised that he's given up what he has given up, but the Blue Jays have also left him out the dry in the midst of those four and two-thirds innings so far that he has pitch so I'd like to see some more I think there's some intrigue there but the fact that all of a sudden Wilmer Font he's found it yeah I'm strangely okay <laughs> with that <laughs> we got him for nothing <laughs> so it's good he's stuff been ex he's been yeah he has really really good stuff and at uh, at or the underscore bird feed on Twitter somebody I follow for quite a while for numbers and more so prospect things has Wilmer Font's number as an opener for the Blue Jays. Six and a third, two hits, no runs, no walks, and ten strikeouts. All in all, he has a 2.51 ERA in 14 and a third innings pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays. Have they found something here in Wilmer Font? Because if they have, this guy's got back-of-the-bullpen stuff, Craig. I hope they caught lightning in a jar, man. Because <laughs> I think that one thing that we are sorely lacking is the fact that at, other than Ken Giles, when he's healthy, really anchoring this rotate or this bullpen, I'm a little scared 
everybody seems kind of in the ballpark of Brian Tallett to me. <laughs> it's nobody's stepping forward. Nobody's taking that next step to be something special. But there is some talent and intrigue with those names. And I think Wilmer Font's one of those guys that I'm happy I found him because I'm going to let him run out there and do everything he can to earn that job right now with how he's been pitching as an opener. Even if he is the opener every fifth day, that's two, three innings a week, maybe an extra double start or whatever. But that's a good sample size by the end of the season here after September, man. Yeah, he's looking like he can lock himself up into the 2020 bullpen. And they were raving about him on Saturday when I was watching the game. It's one of the games I was actually able to sit down and enjoy on Saturday afternoon. And yeah, Dan Schallman and Buck Martinez, who were calling the game on Saturday, were both raving about how Wilmer Font has looked out of this Blue Jay bullpen. And you know what, man? I was kind of hoping and kind of thinking, you know how the Blue Jays caught lightning in a bottle with guys like Jose Batista and Edwin Encarnacion? How awesome would it be if they discover some pitchers over the next little while? I'm not saying Wilbur Fox turning into a closer or an all-star over the next few years, but he's had a good amount of success with position players. Perhaps Wilmer Falk could be the next guy that they discover lightning in a ball. Don't you think that could be a possibility? As long as we don't let him go and he becomes the next Gio Urshela, I'm going right? to literally puke <laughs> because I don't know how he's doing what he's doing. I watched those at-bats last season through his 20-some-odd games with us, and I'm just like, this kid doesn't even look like he owns a bat, let alone knows how to swing it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just can't believe it, you know, but I would be honestly worried if Wilmer Font left right now with whatever the heck he has clearly figured out since coming over to the Blue Jays, even if it is just the bullpen thing. I don't know, but the fact that he's just going out there and airing it out for a couple innings seems to be working out very, very well for him. And I do. there's one other guy I think we need to talk about, Brendan, in our bullpen. Sure. And I don't know if you've noticed quietly how good Justin Schaefer's been. He's been very, very good. I haven't actually been able to see many of his appearances over the last few weeks. So, oh, they're Craig, a quick little one no things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that he's he's got a good sample size under his belt for this season now. It's 23 innings, and he is allowing just a 227 opponent's batting average, which is good enough for a 1.9 ERA through those innings, Brendan. That is bullpen quality stuff. For a guy that, honestly, just between his pitches, does a really good job of mixing things up and keeping hitters off balance. And I don't think he's ever going to run away maybe with a closer's job, but he's going to be a valuable setup guy. And I almost feel like he's following the Ryan Tapera timeline right now. Only got that little cup of coffee in the tees last year where he allowed just uh, three runs in eight innings. But the fact that he obviously went down to the started with the Bisons this year did really, really well and earn this spot that he's got basically in his bullpen. I want to see him in more high-leverage situations throughout the rest of the season because he's been lights out. I do, too. I also want to see Derek Law, who got the save on Saturday against the New York Yankees, pitching some more higher-leverage situations, too. I mean, all guys are getting moved up. The fact that Ken Giles can't pitch right now and simply has looked like himself. One more thing I want to cover before we kind of get into the recap of this past week, which was a really good week for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, beating the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees, a combined 4-3 and three record uh, over two potential playoff teams. Well, the Yankees will be, the Rays maybe. Uh, I want to touch on briefly Zach Godley, because the Blue Jays claimed him off of waivers uh, from the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they got him. So my question to you, Craig, Zach Godley, last year and two years ago, two years ago he was mid, 
three war, and last year he was in the upper twos. So this guy has proven to be quite good and effective for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but this year there's just something off. Zach Godley, what are you expecting the rest of the year? Do you think he just remains in the bullpen? Do you think he starts some games? Because I'm kind of thinking Zach Godley will just kind of play out the year in the bullpen, but let him try to figure it out, and he'll come into uh, uh, spring training next year with a chance to win a job in the rotation. What are you looking for? For Zach Godley for the rest of the year. Right now, I need Zach Godley in that bullpen, somebody that can eat up some innings. He is stretched out, Brendan. You know, he got in nine starts with the Arizona Diamondbacks this year. I know he's, his innings are kind of way down <laughs> compared to where he has been over the last few years. This is a guy that was chewing up 155, 178 innings in 2017-18, who's down to 76 innings for this season. Slightly tipped in one direction. Uh, I think this is one of those things that this is a guy that needed a change of scenery playing his whole career with the Arizona Diamondbacks. A new pitching coach, some new ideas might rekindle whatever that good success was. But this is a guy that was kind of ups and downsy as they flip-flopped them back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. But overall, Brendan, really good. You know, this is a guy that even when he was starting, he was a sub-260 batting average against. And when he was in the bullpen the year before that... Not barely 220. You know, so yeah. he's clearly missing bats. So whatever that last little nail is that he needs to you know, drive home those strikeouts or whatever it is, he could figure this out in the bullpen the rest of the year and then come trucking into spring training and push for a fifth spot. Be nice. And the thing about that, which would be even better for the Toronto Blue Jays, is the fact that he has a lot of control left something that's been discussed at length over the last little while. But you got Zach Godley after this year, I believe, for another three years. So if he can figure it out next year, he could be a really intriguing trade chip for the Toronto Blue Jays at next year's deadline. Or they keep him for the rotation for the next few years. Definitely was a waiver claim. That has been one of my favorites over the last few years of the Blue Jays making waiver claims. Uh, we saw Anthopolis do that a lot. But Zach Godley, there's something there. If he can get if he can get right again as a Blue Jay, then he can be something good for this team, uh, maybe even over the long term. So definitely a worthy waiver claim, Craig. Now I kind of want to shift focus to the last week. As I mentioned, four and three, the Blue Jays took a series from the Tampa Bay Rays at the Trap, and they split a series with the New York Yankees in Toronto uh, to begin this lengthy homestand. Over the course of those seven games. Other than the fact that they finally won a damn series at the Trop, what stood up most to you? That was the single-handedly the most different thing. And honestly, Brendan, I hope that that is the telltale sign that we're finally ready to actually do something. <laughs> we can't beat the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know how we got into the playoffs in 2015-16 with the fact that we were more or less splitting that series for the season. That's hard to do. You know, the reason that the New York Yankees right now are in first place is the fact that they have crushed everybody in the division except the Toronto Blue Jays. I think I was hearing it during yesterday's game that the Yankees announcers were whining about it, that the fact that the only team they've had struggles with is the at the time before their win yesterday, they were 7-5 and five against the Toronto Blue Jays. So they have an 8-5 and five record against the Toronto Blue Jays this year. That's saying something, I think. The fact that we might be on that cusp, that tipping point, that this team's offense might take the torch for a little while here until the pitching catches up with what talent is on the field. But, Brendan, the fact that we can just come into a series and take that many games from two playoff teams, that's very impressive. Shows a lot about where this team is at right now. The fact that we said at the beginning of the show, 
that the offense is here. And we've said over the last few episodes with other guests and other guests have agreed with us as well, you're going to be able to go into 2020 spring training knowing that six out of the eight or maybe even seven out of the eight positions are locked up right now. And that's fantastic. They have pretty much figured out this core. You got Bo, you got Vlad, you got Biggio, you got Jansen and Reese McGuire, who's come on lately since he's been up here with Luke Manley on the injured list. You maybe have Derek Fisher, Randall Grichik, Teoscar Hernandez is look like a change man in center field. So, Craig, it's, it's exciting, man, and it will be very, very interesting over the next few weeks, or sorry, over the next few months once we get into the offseason to see how aggressive this team will be to push the needle on contending. I want to bring up one guy before we kind of shift our attention to a fun topic of discussion, which is the 2020 schedule release. But Charlie Foley looked really, really good against the New York Yankees. I know he walked quite a few guys in that start on Friday night, but he got the win over Finnings. And honestly, I've been impressed from what I've seen with Prince Charlie Foley over the last, or basically since he's been up here for the year. Do you think he's starting to turn a corner? Because he's still walking a lot of guys but he's managing to get himself out of jams. I think it's the confidence thing. And the other, not just on you for bringing this topic on the first place, are you trying to steal the pick-the-click thing this from this past week? <laughs> <laughs> I believe I did pick Sean Reed Foley, am I correct? <laughs> you did. I call bullshit. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> so in the midst of all the fun, I just think he has finally figured that last bit on how to get major league hitters out. I think the calm approach has come obviously he's a fiery emotional player and i love it but the fact that he knows i think he can kind of walk the walk at this point has been an immense perfect movement for him and i think honestly having reese mcguire and danny jansen to throw to has been one of the other big unsung heroes in the midst of sean reed foley possibly emerging from the shell that i think we all knew he could 236 or 2.36 era in seven games and one of those being, like you said, a very good, solid performance against the New York Yankees. This is a team that has notoriously lit him up. <laughs> yeah. So, five, yeah, it might have only been five innings. Whoop-de-doo, I don't care about that right now. I want to see quality out of the innings that he does hang out on the mound. And I think I saw that the other day as he held the Baltimore Orioles in the previous start in check and the fact that he completely decimated the Yankees for five innings. It's exciting. I know that yourself, myself, we've been high on Sean Reed Foley for a while. Our buddy Richard Burfer, who we've had on this show, is also a big Sean Reed Foley guy. Perhaps we are going to see him as a part of the 2020 rotation. You never know. But that kind of leads into the 2020 schedule was released today, Craig, and this is kind of going to be a fun little topic to wrap up tonight's show with. The Blue Jays start their season at home again, and I'll get into this in a bit. I think we're going to see that over the next few years now that baseball starts as early as March the 26th, which, hey, I'm not complaining. That's less time hey, to baseball. wait. <laughs> <laughs> so March 26th, they open with a four-game series against the Boston Red Sox, and then they welcome the Cincinnati Reds into town for three games after the Red Sox to open up their season. Craig, we'll see the Blue Jays go to the normal teams that we usually see them play, the American League. But in the National League this year, the Blue Jays, as I mentioned, they host the Cincinnati Reds. They will host the Philadelphia Phillies for two games, the St. Louis Cardinals for two games, and they will also host the Chicago Cubs for a weekend series in August. They will visit the Cardinals and Phillies for two. They will also visit the Pittsburgh Pirates 
and the Milwaukee Brewers for a full series each. What were some of your initial reactions to the schedule? Because I thought, I'm like, hmm, a few tempting road trips uh, potentially on the docket. I was I thought is I don't have enough money to go on those road trips. <laughs> more people <laughs> need to lie, listen buddy. to this show and feed our freaking budget for advertising so we can get more people even. <laughs> Anyways, <Yeah>. but it, <laughs> the fact that I, I, I'm getting to the point where it's almost like spring break in March for most people is go see the last week of spring training at this point. And I remember going down pretty much every year, Brendan, to go see the Toronto Blue Jays last week of spring training, or at least four or five games out of that week, and hang out with my friends that actually do live in Dunedin, Florida. And I just can't believe that baseball starts on that um, basically a week before the end of the month now. And that's without even talking about, like, a freaking trip to Hawaii, Cuba, England, wherever the heck baseball (laughs) wants to, you know, have those first two games or whatever like they did this year with Japan. And I'm excited. The fact that winter is not quite as fierce to the fact that baseball comes in just a little bit early for all us Northerners. You know, the one thing ever since they changed the schedule to give teams more off days and started the season earlier, the one thing that I've always taken so much joy in is even though if a regular season started April the 1st, it's like, oh, it's still a full month away. Now it starts in early March. It doesn't feel like we have to wait as long, even if it is a matter of a day or two. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, I think, Craig, we're going to start seeing a trend over the next few years where you can pretty much bank on the Blue Jays opening at home because you go and look at everybody opening the 2020 season at home uh, on March the 26th. Other than the Cincinnati Reds, a cold market team or cold weather team, uh, almost the every dome other is a team. beautiful advantage, isn't it? It is, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Which hurt me even more that they're talking about doing other things. And I'm like, you can't do that. I don't care if it is a <laughs> rough ballpark and they need some renovations and whatnot. There is no better spot in any baseball city that I've been to to go to see a ball game. The fact that you're right in the thick of Toronto and everything is happening, including the Blue Jays on given nights. It is so much fun. We're going, I'm sorry, going to the Bronx for Yankees fans. I'm a little afraid to be hanging out in a bar in the Bronx a little after the ball game (laughs) (laughs) and things like that. Or even like, you know, as much as I love Citizens Bank Ballpark for the Phillies, there's not anything around there. It's the ballpark and all the other arenas (laughs) and then one monster sports bar that gets flooded with like 50,000 people after a ball game. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I dabbled in that last year when I uh, made a stop to see the Blue Jays in Under Philly. It is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> with that one Philly live complex with like five bars inside of one massive bar. It's kind of cool. But, uh, I yeah, agree not with that, but the fact that there's just, like I said, I've seen other towns try to do it. That's what the Rays tried to do around the, the Trop. Build up everything it around worked. the Tropicana and just it didn't bring anybody to that area of town. So... And that's the same thing why the Braves had a new stadium every, what, five years, ten years? <laughs> I think they finally hit the nail on the head with the new one, though. That is, I've been looking forward to possibly going to that ballpark at some point here in the future. But the fact that we have a domed ballpark, and obviously we're in the north, it's going to be cold, it's going to be crummy for at least the first two months of the season, or it's going to be a complete wild card. Just the fact that we know that we're not going to have hurt players from weather is an immense advantage over a lot of teams including every AL East rival other than the trop, the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they'll usually get home games too because they got their roof. But yeah, definitely is an advantage with how early baseball starts. 
you can pretty much circle on your calendar that they will probably open up a season at home. They have ever since the schedule changed to an early March, or yeah, I guess an early March start time. But uh, what kind of road trips uh, or what recommendations would you have to Blue Jays fans based on the teams that they are traveling to see? I mean, obviously everybody every year can bank on going to Fenway. They can go to Tampa, Baltimore, New York. They can go see the other American League teams. I'm kind of thinking more along the lines of the teams the Blue Jays are visiting from the National League. They're going to Citizens Bank Park, as we kind of touched on already. They are also visiting St. Louis, which is a beautiful ballpark. Uh, You've seen that one, right? I've seen that's where you met Marco Estrada, if I correct me wrong. That's right, yeah, in St. Louis. uh, Two years ago, when they were there in 2017, strangely enough, I've been to six National League ballparks, and five of them are all from the, uh, from the NL Central. So I can, I'm your NL Central expert for stadiums. I've seen them all, whether it's the Blue Jays or not. And I really like Miller Park. I know you did, too. Perhaps uh, we can sell Blue Jays fans on traveling up to Milwaukee. I think that's an invade brewers dumb, you know. You can go drink a bunch of Miller beers at the ballpark, listen to Euchre, and <laughs> hopefully see plenty of home runs as, you know, uh, the the Billy the Slide guy freaking sits there and goes, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> this ain't right. It's supposed to be in my home cooking. <laughs> and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either, Brendan. You know, I wish it was a little closer together. It's surprising that they sandwich going from Detroit the week prior to skipping a whole week and then being like five feet from Detroit in Milwaukee. <laughs> it is that was almost like a whole week. Kinda... That could have been yeah. <laughs> I know it could have been so like that's how they did it in uh, 2015. Started in Detroit, saw the Blue Jays, went to Chicago to see them play the White Sox. Also, was able to do a game at Wrigley and then drive up to Milwaukee for a Brewers game. But I would, I think my sales job to people, Craig, on going up there, they have. I'm not sure if you tried this when you were at Miller Park, but they have a beer that they only brew at Miller Park. It's yep. called the Barrel Man Ale. And it was delicious. It was one of the favorite beers ever. So I kind of want to take the road trip just to go back for that beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was highly recommended to me by the people that I was visiting for work at the time. I went to the ballpark by myself and just hung out with fans and, you know, went up to the 500 level and took a picture with the Bob Euchre statue that is hilariously in the front row, which is the last row of the stadium. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever seen that old beer commercial, but it is hilarious. It's about It shows Bob Euchre walking through with his Miller beer to the front row, like kind of right behind the dugout, and then somebody yells, like, hey, buddy, those aren't your seats, and he goes, oh, must be in the front row, <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they show him at, like, the 500 level of the old brewer ballpark yelling and screaming he missed the tag <laughs> like you can almost see it <laughs> so the fact that they gave him that statue up there in the 500 level was priceless <laughs> but amazing um i think that one i was looking at somebody here the fact that we actually had the cubs at home on a weekend i thought yeah. that was pretty sweet and you know for a fact that there's going to be a lot of Cubs fans who come to Toronto for that game because they're probably still thinking about how many Blue Jays fans invaded Wrigley uh, when the Blue Jays were there in 2017. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, just a few years ago. And the Blue Jays were still in it at that time, too. You never know. That could be a very fun series with playoff implications for both sides. You never know. That's going to be a fun one, too. One that I definitely recommend if you're not in Toronto, if maybe you're in a different province, you're in a different state and you're a Blue Jays fan, come up for that Cubs series, especially in August. should be a beautiful Beautiful time in the city to see the Chicago Cubs. Speaking of full-on invasions, <laughs> the Mariners <laughs> series is right after the All-Star break. It is the first road games for the Blue Jays after the home, after the All-Star break. 
They the Blue Jays fans will be ready to inv invade Seattle Friday, uh, July twenty fourth. Brandon, that's a whole weekend of Blue Jays games. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, ready to go, right for the picking, and for a team that is probably clearly in a rebuild where the Seattle Mariners are kind of tipping, I think, at this point. It's going to be fun to watch Blue Jays come in there and decimate. And the fact that you can continue down the West Coast and drive down to see the Blue Jays play the Angels definitely makes that intriguing, well, too. Good. That's where they follow up. Oh, yeah, West Coast road trip, starting Vancouver, drive down to Seattle, stop in Portland, and then you make your way down to L.A. I did that drive. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> I was going to say. My old work trips, I flew into, C flew into San Diego, and over the course of two and a half weeks, I flew out all the way up in Sacramento. Wow. Yeah. And California's a big-ass state, too, so you got a lot state. of driving to do there. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it, man. It's, it's a, lot it's a of, big ass uh, state. you know, stupid fun times stopping at random places with one of my coworkers, and it turned out pretty good. A few ballparks, saw the, uh, was it uh, San Diego's Petco Park? That was a beautiful ballpark that I would highly yeah, recommend I gotta get there. everybody. It's, it's weird, because it's like kind of in the it's like in the warehouse district, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just so cool that they were able to keep that feel of the old buildings and kind of like, almost like a Fenway ballpark throwback right there in the middle of San Diego. The next time the blue Jays go play the Padres, I definitely must go to that ballpark because I've walked around the exterior of it when I was in San Diego in 2008. I'm like, oh, damn, I really want to come see a baseball game here. So that's on my agenda. My final recommendation, Craig, and I'll turn things over to you for your final recommendations on where to go based on this 2020 Blue Jays schedule. The Texas Rangers are opening up a brand new ballpark, and the Blue Jays are in Texas in May. Let me just quickly find the dates. They are there May 11th through the 13th, so Monday through Wednesday. But I was looking this up. If you want to tack on Houston and then drive the four hours north to Dallas or the three and a half hours, the Astros are at home. I'm forgetting uh, to who now, but the Astros are at home the weekend of May 8th through 10th. So you can do both Texas teams and check out a brand new ballpark of the Texas Rangers. Not to mention Minute Maid Park is one of the nicest ones that I have heard. <laughs> I have not had the chance to visit that ballpark. But, um, it, yeah, it, that was a, that's a beautiful ballpark out from all accounts for Houston there. And the fact that you can also hit a new stadium, that just boggles my mind because I just feel like Arlington opened up. <laughs> a few years really? ago. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I just remember it was Pudge, Juan Gonzalez, everybody on that lineup, and it was like a murderer's row for Texas. You couldn't get through that lineup without getting dented. That's just how hard it was to get through that lineup. Ian Kinsler and Michael Young in their pro in the yep. youngster years. So, wow. That was a heck of a place to watch a baseball game, I would have imagined. And I always just thought that was a good home run ballpark. I kind of like that they had that kind of like almost like that Texas facade and everything in the back. It just looked like a great place to see a ball game, and I'm actually surprised it's going to go, and I wonder if they're going to bring that monster hot dog concoction with them. <laughs> <laughs> I best hope so. Everything is bigger in Texas, Craig, so I, I imagine... <laughs> yeah, I imagine that that will be a tradition that continues with Texas Rangers baseball for a little bit longer. Craig, any final thoughts on the schedule? Anything that really stood out to you in terms of dates when they're home on potential holidays? I know they're home on Victoria Day again against the Houston Astros. As always, Canada Day, maybe a road trip, a home series. Anything else before we uh, turn things over to you for Picks to Click? Make sure you start the kids on Victoria Day. 
<laughs> we don't anyway, want another panic like this. <laughs> I do have one thing I think that we we dusted on it pretty good, but I think we need to drive it home for Blue Jays fans here a little bit, Brendan. A little psych up here. The fact that yeah. we just put the American League East on notice over this last series is immensely powerful going into next season. This team has some confidence on offense. They just took it to two of the best teams in our own division. How are they not riding a little high right now? And, oh, wait, they are. They're winning 5-1. to one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Looking pretty good against the Tejas Rangers, who are also a playoff caliber team. Yeah, they're still in the race, too. They, uh, they're playing some damn good baseball right now, my friend. And that is where I want to turn things over to you. The master of picks to click. You keep track of all this. Why don't you review our uh, guest's pick from last week, your pick and my pick, and then we will open things up for uh, the picks of you and I for this upcoming week. So last week in the yes spot, we had Mike Paul and Alan Tisman of the Radio Scouts picked Kevin Biggio and Randall Grichik. Yay or nay on either of those picks, Brandon? I uh, didn't see enough from either of them. I know Grichik homered today, but... Uh, I don't know if today yeah, counts, I, and that's while we're recording. <laughs> that's right. So I think both of those are in a... Having Biggio, I loved the pick by Mike Paul at the time, but uh, it was a quietish week for Kevin Biggio, so I think Plenty both of, walks, of them have to but I don't, not, not, Nothing to really light up the radar or anything like that, so... Then we'll go on to my pick, I guess, Ian. I get you know, you already toted yours up earlier and making sure you were powdering it up and ready for the, you know, model posing. Um, I picked Danny Jansen. Also, not a bad week. Had a one home one home run against the Yankees that he just completely stroked, Brandon. That was a nice sweet home run that he hit. But I don't know if it's basically all star level worthy of our pick to click. Yep. I uh it's close because you know I love Danny Jansen. You know, Richard Burfer, our old guest, loves Danny Jansen. I think maybe we should give this one a toss-up to the uh, to the Twitter-verse, because I had Sean Reed Foley, and Sean Reed Foley went out there against the New York Yankees and pitched five innings. He got the win, but it was, as he mentioned, it was five innings, quality, quality innings, got himself out of jams. Why don't we put it up for our guests to vote on, and we'll see who actually does vote on it and see who uh, who gets it. And I think that'll be a nice little wrinkle to the show. Yeah, I have a strange feeling that you and Wright probably should win it with Sean Reed Foley. Because out of those picks, I think he was probably pretty damn close to being the best one this week. And it, like we were putting on a very standout performance against a New York Yankees team that has lit him up like a freaking Christmas tree over the last few starts that he's had with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was definitely nice to see him pitch well against the Yankees. Not just because he was my pick to click, but because uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> None of us went for the sure thing, which is a 15, now 16 games on base streak for Boba Shett. Nobody went with the obvious. <laughs> yeah, he's on we base all again. We hard for ourselves on picks to click, apparently, because yeah, it's just too easy. Maybe and Danny Jansen got himself a hit, too, as you were uh, going over your pick for the week. So uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyways, we will also put out to the Twitterverse the guest spot this week so you can have a guest shout-out. Maybe quick why you picked who you picked for a pick-to-click if you happen to be the one that guesses it correctly. But, Brendan, who are you thinking this week? Or are you going to uh, I, 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 uh, I'm not going to go both just because he's been so hot and Vlad has been really good too. I really did like uh, Mike's pick a BDO, but uh, hasn't shown me enough lately. 
you know, a lot of the pitching side of things has worked really well for me over the last little while. I had Daniel Hudson uh, last uh, a few weeks ago before he got traded. I had Vegas Pack one week, uh, and now Sean Reed Foley. And hey, Vegas Pack could have been a pretty good the pick to click as well. The only reason you did well. one with Vegas Pack is I did pick Vladdy that week. That's right, and he had himself a damn good week. That was the week, week he so. came out of nowhere and won the Player of the Week award. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, I'm going to stick with the pitching side of things here. I am... Uh, I'm torn between two guys. They're both in bullpen. You know what? I'm going to lock in Derek Law. I've really liked what I've seen from him lately. It worked with Dodson for my pick to click that one week. So uh, I don't know. I think Derek Law will go out there and continue to pitch well like he started uh, on Saturday against the Yankees. Not the worst of ideas, my friend. You're basically picking the current Toronto Blue Jays closer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, um... I'm wondering how much with this wonderful new rotation of playing time and the fact that Loris Gurriel Jr. is on the fence for the next, you know, 10 days or so, I'm going to just surprise Blue Jays fans in here. I'm going to say that Derek Fisher actually surprises us over the next week. Mm, I like it. I like it. If I was going offensive, I may have taken him as well. So I, uh, I, I like that pick a lot. So, And as far as everything else, Blue Jays fans, um, we will put the two polls up on Twitter for who should have won last week out of the picks. I'm not even going to put the names <laughs> with anybody again. If you didn't listen to the nope. show properly, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I will just put from this time to time, who are these picks, who wins? And then yeah. also for this week, don't forget to put your submissions for your Toronto Blue Jays pick to click and earn a chance to you know join Brendan and I for a minute or so and so. You know, see how all the fun goes. That's, uh, that's a very good sell job you just uh, did there. Come on the show, talk with us. And, uh, Craig, this has been another very good episode. Uh, very, very good episode. Lots of fun topics to talk about this week. And it's actually things are looking nice in Blue Jays land. And uh, hopefully the, uh, the good vibes will continue over the next little while. All things are fine in Blue Jays land. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should close out the show with that every single week. We should get that sound bite and kind of close it out. All things are good in Blue Jays land. I kind of like it. <laughs> I was trying to say as monotone with no avoid motion as I possibly could, but I almost cracked in the midst of it. <laughs> but I think this week's episode is putting people on notice. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I think that's the title. Putting people on notice, making people uh, pay attention to this team and be like, hey, this team is going to break out as soon as next year, at least offensively. And Perfect. we're starting to see that now. Knock on desk. Exactly. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And, yeah, that kind of wraps up tonight's show. So, Blue Jays fans, make sure that you like, subscribe, post, tweet us, do whatever you can, give us some listens, request to come on the show. Uh, and, Craig, until next time, let's go Blue Jays. Let's go Blue Jays. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.